0: Corey Strumman. Welcome to the Rochester Rising podcast, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs in Rochester, Minnesota. Thank you for spending some time with us today to learn more about small business and the culture of entrepreneurship in Rochester. We hope that you learned something today from a local entrepreneur that can help you with your own journey. Rochester Rising is a part of Collider, a Rochester-based nonprofit that activates, connects, and empowers early-stage entrepreneurs in the community. You can learn more about Collider and how our organization can help accelerate and assist your journey at Collider.mn. Today on the podcast, we chat with Levi Sowerbree about his technology assistance service, Nerd Butler. Let's get started. Well, hello, Levi. Thank you so much for being on with me today. Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, to get started, tell me a little bit about you. What are some of your hobbies and interests outside of work? Oh,
1: goodness. Um, So I'm a nerd by vocation and avocation. So most of my hobbies involve something to do with technology, Um, teaching myself new stuff. Uh, I have a dog, so there's a lot of frisbee fetching involved. Love that. Um, Occasionally (laughs) shoveling a sidewalk here and there. Um, No cooking or, or anything like that. I'm not particularly domestic, but I do a lot of laundry. Um, and if all of this sounds like, you know, sort of the entrepreneur story of there's not a lot of distinction between personal and, and professional life, that's that's sort of where we ended up after
0: a while. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, what kind of brought you to the Rochester area and what keeps you around? Yeah. So we've been in and out of Rochester
1: for a couple of years now. My, my in-laws are here. Uh, my mother-in-law for a few years was receiving treatment at Mayo, okay. um, liked it so much that she relocated. And so we would come up here for holidays, and and in the summer when it's beautiful, and then we would come up mm-hmm. for just enough of the the winter to <laughs> have the holiday experience, and then we would go back to Texas. But um, as my in law spent more time here, and we really got to like the city, we decided to relocate here, um, and now we're we're staying because I'm I'm from the Midwest. I grew up in Iowa okay, uh, sure. as, a, as a younger kid, and. So it feels very much like coming home to me. Mm -hmm. Um, My in-laws and my wife are all from Louisiana. So it feels like an exotic and interesting place (laughs) to them. So everybody's very happy with that. Very nice. Uh,
0: Did you start your business in Rochester or was that in the works before you got here?
1: No, I actually um, started Nerd Butler in Texas probably six years ago or so. And I ran it as a consulting agency for a while. And then uh, my wife's company got big enough and complicated enough that she basically hired me as her full-time CTO and and put me on her staff and I dropped on. She was my only client, I guess is the best way to say that. Sure. 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 Um, and coming back to Rochester, we had sold that company. Um, and so I found myself with a lot of extra hours in the day and you can only do the dishes so many times. And, uh, (laughs) and I was really, um, coming back to Rochester, which is a smaller community than Dallas. Mm -hmm. Um, I really wanted to find a way to contribute to the community and to try out some of these ideas that have been bubbling through my head over the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Did the transition to Rochester and kind of entering this community provide any unique challenges and kind of restarting your business or revamping your business in a Um, different place?
1: I don't know about challenges. It's been... I think, like I said, coming from the Dallas area where obviously that's a huge business hub, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of money to be made in Dallas. There's a lot of money floating around Dallas. Everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> um, but from an entrepreneurial standpoint, like it, it's, it feels a little bit like New York. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Sure. So sure. in Dallas, the, the barrier to entry for a new business owner is significantly higher in that you have to have... You know, we, we always bootstrap things. We never Mm look for funding, but even then like getting meetings, um, figuring out what meetings you should be trying to get, all of Mm -hmm. that was, you know, significantly more complex in the Dallas area than it is in Rochester. And frankly, the, the entrepreneurial community in Minnesota and Rochester in particular has been so amazing that like there's, it, it it just, it's night and day. So it's Mm -hmm. been really great to
0: come here and, um, sort of start getting, getting involved with that group. Yeah, for sure. What is your background in work and education? Yeah.
1: Um, I got my first computer when I was 12 and my dad handed me all the manuals that went with it. This is back (laughs) when we had printed manuals and he said, if I have any questions, I'm asking you. So I started there and just found it fascinating. So I Mm -hmm. kept training myself. Um, after high school, I went into the air force and got a degree in electronics and worked on, um, wireless communications, like, police band radios, air traffic control radios for the military. Um, I got out of that and went to college and studied electrical engineering for a while and then computer Mm. science for a while. And in all of those endeavors, I would get to some point in the curriculum where Mm. we're talking about ones and zeros now, like quite literally Mm. ones and zeros. Uh And I would say that's not interesting enough to me to spend 20 hours in the lab figuring it out. Sure. So I ended up in the psychology program because that was way more interesting. And I eventually got an information systems degree. Um, but through all of that experience, it taught me that the, the, the place I want to fit in that puzzle is helping people understand and use computers or technology Mm -hmm. of any kind. Right. So, um, it, it always made sense to me. And for a long time, I couldn't, you know, the psychology part really taught me why it didn't make sense to other people, mm-hmm. right? We sure. all have a, a, yeah. You have a different thought process or you're a visual learner instead of a different type of learner. Um, and then trying to work on translating. Software engineers are really, really smart. Mm-hmm. They're not always plugged into the thought patterns of the people who are going to use their tools. Sure. Right? sure. So trying to bridge that gap between the users and the
0: engineers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. While you were first getting Nerd Butler started, what would you say were some of the biggest barriers that, that you faced or challenges?
1: Um, I was very fortunate in that I married an entrepreneur, so mm. the the sort of blocking and tackling of setting up a business, getting an EIN number, filing the LLC, all of that mm-hmm. stuff um, was pretty old hat to her, and she just said, you know, do this, do this, do this. She yeah. already had a bookkeeper and a CPA, Um She's a marketing person. So I had a a bit of a head start on all of those types of things. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest challenge for me um, is translating that passion I had for sort of a very broad concept of helping people with technology, as Mm -hmm. I put the Mm -hmm. air quotes around that sentence, and trying to hone it into a concept that can be quickly communicated and focused enough that's not, helping people with technology is not a product or a service, really. Sure. It's a concept, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So going from concept to product Mm -hmm. um, remains is still the thing I spend most of my time on, is trying to dial in the most efficient way to help to accomplish that
0: concept. Mm -hmm. Sure. So what is your client experience like? What should people expect when they're utilizing your services?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is I want people to have and understanding at the end of the process. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's the installation of a television, to take a really simple example, okay, we're going to put the TV mount on the wall. You don't need to know how to do that because it's only going to happen once. Mm -hmm. We're going to hang the TV on the television mount. Again, it's only going to happen once. The owner of the TV doesn't really care how that happens. Mm -hmm. But after that, when you push the power button on the television and the first screen on the TV comes up, It can be intimidating or it can be, you know, you've never had this brand of TV before. You know, I've worked with lots of family members, older family members in Mm -hmm. particular. Like, what do you mean it's a smart TV? What makes it smart? Sure. Mm -hmm. Why is there a Netflix button on my remote control? So working with Nerd Butler, whether it's as a consumer or as a business, that understanding of how to use the tools you've already spent your money on is a Mm -hmm. really big piece of that puzzle. Um, For lots of small business owners, I... You know, they don't have a website yet or they don't have their email set up yet. And so if we're going to build a website for that company, at the end of that process, the owner or whoever their designated contact is will know how to log into the website, how to make basic updates to the website, Mm -hmm. how to add a new employee to the email setup, right? So not trying to lock them into my services on an Mm -hmm. ongoing basis. If they decide they don't want to do business with me, if something happens to me or my company, if mm-hmm. we relocate, like whatever. There's a million reasons why I might not be the professional providing you that service in the future. Sure. You need to have all the keys to the kingdom. And you need mm-hmm. to have enough knowledge to do basic things and to communicate with the next person that comes in. Mm-hmm. So empowering people to yeah, kind of <laughs>
0: do it for themselves. Too That's many, great. too many
1: small businesses I've met, um, you know, they're, they knew a guy who set up their website for them. Right. But the guy is the one that has to log in for the GoDaddy account. And so they can never, ever, ever again update their website because GoDaddy will not like, it wasn't set up under the business's mm. name. It was set up under this email address, which I no longer have access to. Sure. And there is no proof of ownership you can provide to them that will, let them hand it over to you. So right. that that ownership and that control and that understanding mm-hmm. is really really critical.
0: Yeah, that's huge. Uh correct me if I'm wrong, but you participated in the CoStarters Starters program this year? Not the
1: first cohort. I am signed up for the second
0: cohort. Okay, very cool. At the very end of cool. January. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah, We're I'm excited to have to you. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. Uh did you find that the pandemic affected your business in any way?
1: Um it, yeah, it affected all of our businesses. I'm trying to think what we were doing at the beginning of the pandemic because it was so long ago. Um, my it actually during the pandemic, my wife got inspired to start a new company, which okay, sure. took up a bunch of our time. Mm-hmm. You know, getting things up and running. Um, as as a technology person, um, it didn't affect my clientele as much. Um, things got really static there for a while. Sure. But watching. The whole world, like entire school districts, go remote. Mm-hmm. Watching entire companies suddenly and forcefully go remote mm-hmm. um, has been really fascinating, and I think it, it, it's a net benefit in the way in in the sense that the general population has a broader tool set now.
0: Sure. Zoom mm-hmm. is a verb,
1: and it wasn't before video conferencing. I think before the pandemic was something that really intimidated a lot of people. Yeah, and because we've been forced to video conferencing, no longer intimidates most people. Mm-hmm. Even you know grandparents who were forced to FaceTime with their grandchildren because mm-hmm. they, they couldn't see them. Um, certainly, in a business environment, it it to me it's broadened everyone's knowledge of some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. In the technology space, I think it's changed how an IT department, how employees and how employers all interact with your physical presence in the office. Yeah, absolutely. IT security, obviously, was a big one that, you know, people had to suddenly figure out a better answer for, Mm -hmm. you know, they were structured to only have 5% of, you know, the traveling sales force Mm -hmm. was the only remote employees in the company before. And so having that little network connection for them was great, but suddenly there was 2000 people that were trying to access the VPN at the same time. And so a lot of things shifted around, but I think ultimately for the better on the IT side.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what do you find most rewarding about your work? Oh goodness. Um,
1: I guess two things, usually at the beginning of an engagement, the most rewarding thing is when, you know, uh, a customer tells me what the problem is and they're typically you only get to them when they're really frustrated, right? Mm -hmm. They think they should be able to figure it out themselves. Mm -hmm. Obviously they were told they could, you know, like you can buy it off the shelf and it's got instructions and, you know, but at the beginning of the engagement, it's listening to that and then saying, okay, something actually is wrong Mm -hmm. and you're not an idiot. Right. right. Which is what they're that's their concern, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna feel really dumb soliciting to outside this, help yeah, for right. something <laughs> that everybody can do anyway. Um, and at the end of the engagement, like I said, it goes back to that thing about empowerment. It's it's walking out of the room and knowing that even if they choose never to use that information for anything, mm-hmm. they understand a little more about what it what's happening when they push that button or when they turn on that device. Because sure. The thing that people forget is I think we overlook how much all of this stuff affects us every day. It's your doctor's appointment. It's your dentist appointment. Mm-hmm. It's the school district. It's everything. Um, I say a lot of times I'll tell people like every company is an IT company now. Mm-hmm. It's not just that you have IT resources. It's like unless you're in construction or some of but even in construction, you have mm-hmm. technology that you're using on a daily basis yeah. at every level of that organization, whether it's, you know, even just walkie talkies or communication mm-hmm. devices. Mm-hmm. So every company is an it company and folks that, you know, I've, I've worked with lots of, it's a generational thing to a certain extent, but not always who are like, I just want to do my job. I don't want to have to use the computer. And that's like saying, I want to be a carpenter, but I don't want to <laughs> use hammers. Right. Right. Yeah. So, leaving an engagement and knowing that they now feel more in, in, in charge of the tools that they're using and not the other way around, Mm -hmm. right? The technology Mm -hmm. shouldn't control how we do things. We should, we should decide how we want to do things and then find the technology that
0: makes that happen. Yeah, absolutely. What's a piece of advice you would give to somebody considering starting a business?
1: Um, I think, what I mentioned before is like you, you typically will start a business in something you're super passionate about. Mm -hmm. Um, there are people who, you know, and there's nothing wrong with this, who go into the financial sector, for instance, and like my passion is to make more money. Like, great. That's, that's a worthy ambition. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're probably going to start a business around your passion and the quicker you can figure out how to transition yourself from that concept to that product. like, they you hear the phrase niche down Mm -hmm. like get as specific as possible and that sounds really easy to do but then as soon as you start trying to do it it's like okay I want to open a pastry shop well that might not be small enough okay I want to open a cupcake shop okay I want to open a wedding cupcake shop right and Mm -hmm. and the more specific you can be it's much easier from a marketing standpoint, from a business plan standpoint, it's much easier to broaden that later mm-hmm. than it is to focus in once you're already rolling and trying to make, cover the bills and trying to figure out who to hire. And like the more specific you are at the start, mm-hmm. with both with your goals and with your offerings, whether it's a product or a service, I think the easier it's going to be.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your insights into Nerd Butler and for the conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much to Levi for sharing his story. You can learn more about Nerd Butler by clicking the link in our show notes. And thank you for tuning into the podcast today. We are so appreciative of your time spent listening and of your support of our work here at Collider. If you know an entrepreneur who would benefit from the conversation today, please share this podcast with them so that they can benefit from the experience of other business owners in the community. We launched Rochester Rising in 2016 to tell stories of entrepreneurship taking place within the city of Rochester especially stories that otherwise would not have been told and to take the time to understand each entrepreneur and what their experience has been like in the community. If you find value in this podcast, please consider donating and lending support to Collider's efforts to share the stories of Rochester entrepreneurs and inspire others on their journey. You can find more information about our tip jar and how to donate in our show notes. Thanks again for tuning into the Rochester Rising podcast.